What a joy and a privilege to be here this morning and share the pulpit with my dear friend, Pastor Doug. Um, as I always sense, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I'm so thankful to be here. Um, have you ever heard, this is a test of the emergency broadcasting system. How many have heard that before? That loud noise that comes on? over and over while we're watching television and all. Well, in the last few weeks, Wayne Presbyterian has been encouraging you to take the test and determine your Enneagram results. And so I'm going to ask with the hands, how many have taken the test? Okay, that is wonderful. Uh, perhaps not, but like many of you, I took the test. And I have to tell you, I was certainly surprised um, by the answers, not. I, was I a peacemaker? Was I a challenger? Was I an enthusiastist? Was I loyal? Was I an investigator, individualist, achiever, helper, or reformer? Interesting, I was not surprised by the results because I saw right away that I was a helper. And I knew that. I knew that since I was wee small. I've always wanted to help, always wanted to be there for somebody. Um, they said I had compassionate eyes, that I could look into the congregation and see what somebody was going through if they were struggling. And I immediately wanted to jump in and help. That's not always good, though, I will tell you. I tend to, but then I found out I was also a peacemaker. I was also a challenger, enthusiastic, achiever, and reformer, all within like three numbers. But the helper was 10 points higher. And that was really not a surprise. Because every morning, friends, I wake up, and thank God I do, and I put my feet on the ground and I say, Lord, where are you taking me today? Where are you taking me today? Use my hands, use my feet to touch a life. And so I get excited about that, really do, each and every day. And I've done that all my life. And I was so glad that the Lord said, I'm taking you to the beach the last two weeks. I was thrilled. But I got to tell you, he had something in mind because I thought it would be a quiet moment. It's never a quiet moment in my life. And I got to the beach this last day, and I sat up on the, the little uh, benches up on the top, was watching the waves come in, and a woman sat next to me. And she said, hi, I see you've been staying at this house. I'm Fran. And she started to tell her story. Needless to say, Fran's on my prayer list. Her children are on my prayer list, and I think she has my number. And so... God just puts us where we're supposed to be. So I tell you this because over my life, I have found joy and peace by using my gifts. I have found them. And every day when I use the gift of helping, it's amazing. It's not really about me helping. It's about God helping me too and takes me to the next part of my life. Years ago, we at Preakness took another test. I don't know if any of you took it here, but it was called the spiritual test, the spiritual gifts. Anyone ever take that one? That's amazing. That is the one that tells you if you have a discernment or you're an encourager, 
You have faith, your giver, knowledge, leadership. It was to help to find out who was part of the body of Christ and where you would be placed in the church. Because if you had those gifts, they were gifts you needed to use because you know the body of Christ cannot survive without all the gifts being used. And so we took that over and over again. And so I find all these tests to be so helpful in our lives, whether it's in the community or whether it's individually. We kind of, it's great to know, as you said, yourself, Doug, to really get to know who you are. Well, before I talk about the fifth and sixth numbers today, I wanted to share a few things about taking tests. I thought it was important that I share these things that I found out from taking tests. The first is that my calculator stopped working halfway through an exam once, and now I can't count on it anymore. You get it? My pirate friend just got his exam results. He got all C's. Oh, boy. You're a tough crowd. A friend passed his degree in sound engineering. He got one, two, one, two. <laughs> oh, we're waking up. A cosmopolitan student had to retake her final exam. It was a makeup test. Oh, I know. You're going to want to see Doug back up here real quick. Oh, this would, I'm going to say it anyway. I ate my exam paper. Sooner or later, I will pass my exam. <laughs> oh, you got that one. Um, two more. Didn't do well on my football team exam. I didn't pass. Oh, and my last one. I failed my art exam by using the wrong pencil. It just wasn't to be. <laughs> Sorry, had to do it. And to think you thought I was going to give you words of wisdom from the Bible today. Actually, that is wisdom. You have to laugh, friends. You gotta be laughing through life besides being serious. You've gotta find the time to reflect, to forgive, and to not only just be so worried about a test, but to be worried about just nothing at times, to enjoy. And so I did that for you just to kind of bring you to peace for a moment. So today we're going to look at types five and six for a brief moment. And I wonder how many of us fall into that category. I'm not really sure. Um, they're not mine. They're not mine. I was thinking I could tell you a lot about them. No. The investigator, scripture that comes to mind for the investigator is this, for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Have you ever met someone that's an investigator? Have you ever met one? Well, I would tell you that I have. Just ask anyone who's trying to get a bank loan or finance their house. They're the investigators. Have you met them? They want to know every detail. They want to know everything that could happen, happened, what might happen before you sign the papers. That's a true investigator, is it not? They're alert. They're insightful. They're curious. They're innovative. They're inventive. They're high-strung. They're intense, and they tend to focus on the complex ideas and skills. They do detail. They're very detailed. 
They are known to be visionaries. That's the great part, often ahead of their time. And they're able to see our world in an entirely different way, entirely different than what we see. They desire to be competent, capable, and fear being useless, helpless, or incapable. They love to find out why things are the way they are. They love to see how they work. They have a thousand questions about things. They search for answers, and they delve into things very deep. They love testing the truth of things that are assumed. They do have insecurities, though, this ability to function successfully and, and live up to the expectations of others. They're always worried about maybe not being the best of who they could be. You'll find them stepping back sometimes and kind of just become insecure maybe and, and need to just kind of be with themselves and, and kind of just rest in their own thoughts. And that's what they do. They're observers. They listen to all the sounds around them. That is why their knowledge and their understanding and insight are highly valued as investigators. And they tend to be drawn to the unusual, the overlooked, the secret, the bizarre things in life, the unthinkable territories of life that others just will not go into. They tend to find something they really do well, and they stay with that, because that's their challenge, to get it better and better. And in most cases, they have an active mental life, being high achievers, high, high achievers. In fact, they tend to carry everything around in their mind. They don't write things down as much. It's all up here. Who is some of these? Well, you won't be surprised. Albert Einstein, right? Stephen King, how many have read his books, okay? And the way his mind works. Vincent van Gogh, Darwin, Darwin, just a few of those. And sadly, sometimes they become so preoccupied with their visions and their interpretations that they become kind of hermits, reclusive, isolated, eccentric. In fact, they reject and repulse others sometimes because they remove themselves from the social atmosphere. In worse circumstances, they can have sciatic breakdowns of reality and become self-destructive, schizophrenia, because they're just thinking so deeply. Now, you remember King Solomon in the Bible? And do you remember what he asked of God? He wanted to have the wisdom. That was what he wanted. And God gave that to him. But he also went through a lot of challenges having that wisdom, did he not? So there's the good and bad of the wisdom and how to balance it. But it's great to think that God continues to give all of us, even if we're not type five, we have the wisdom when we open his word. It is a wonderful thing. I don't know about you, but when you open the word, if you read the same Bible verse each day, it would have a different message to you each day based on where you are in your life and what you've been through. And so you might have read this, and now it really comes to light even more the next time you read it and the next time. Yet thank God for the investigators that through their vision, the world continues to move forward, even in positive ways, because they are visionaries. 
You know, we, we think about the bigger churches that are out there. A lot of them have visionaries in their churches. You know, I, it's tough for me. I have a wonderful church congregation, Preakness, and you'll hear me talk about them occasionally. I have no building anymore, but I have a church. And it's interesting as we're all trying to find our new homes in life. And, um, but thank God for the visionaries that can move on and let the Lord's word speak also. And so each of us need that. So if your gift is to be an investigator, if your gift is to be a visionary, then you need to be part of the body of Christ that works with Wayne Presbyterian to move forward and to use those gifts in great ways. So I encourage you, if that's your gift, delve more into it and try to see where God wants you to use it. The next one, the number six, is the loyalist. Now, when I think of loyalty, I don't know about you. Of course, immediately I think of Jesus Christ and the loyalty he has for me and how he has just given his all to me. But then I think of friendship. That's the first word, too, that comes to mind. A friend, a real friend, is loyal, will lay down their life for each one of us. That's what I think of loyalty, but I, before I even delved into what it meant. The verse for loyalty is, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's Jesus. That's a friend, is it not? And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I don't know if you know some of the characteristics, but you probably do if you have a good friend or you are a good friend. They're committed, they're reliable, they're hardworking, they're responsible, they're trustworthy. Amazing words. They troubleshoot problems and they foster cooperation to make things work. But they also can become defensive and anxious because they're running on stress. They run on stress very often. They think they've got to save the world and everybody else in it. They typically have problems with self-doubt, though, and suspicion. And they fear being without that support and guidance. So if you're their friend, they're going to make sure you're their friend and stick with you through thick and thin. A few of those with the characteristics are Mark Twain, Sigmund Freud, some of our actual uh, presidents, Richard Nixon, Robert Kennedy, George H.W. Bush, Prince Harry, Dustin Hoffman, now we'll go to the movie stars, Julia Roberts, Sally Field, Mel Gibson, Andy Ruin, uh, Rooney, David Letterman, and way back, Marilyn Monroe even falls in the category of loyalty. This type is known as the loyalist because they are the most loyal to their friends and to their benefits. They will go down with the ship, and they'll hang on to those relationships no matter what. They um, are loyal to ideas, sim uh, excuse me, systems, and benefits. Even if their benefits are rebellious, they're going to be loyal. Sometimes they'll be even revolutionary. Sadly, this type also uh, is in the thinking center, have the most trouble contacting their own inner guidance and they do not have confidence in themselves. So they put a lot of their eggs in the basket of everybody else. 
and they're loyal to them, but they're insecure sometimes. On the contrary, they think, and yes, they worry a lot. They do not want to be controlled, and they're afraid to take a responsibility in a way that'll put something in, in line of the fire. They want it to kind of stay peaceful. And once they feel they can trust someone, they go to great lengths to maintain that connection with that person forever. They therefore do everything in their power to keep those relationships, supporting it no matter what. They tend to have the most anxiety of all the other types, though. The loyalist has a lot of anxiety versus all the others. And because their emotions are like a ping pong sometimes, they're both strong and weak. They have both sides, fear and courageous, trusting and distrusting. They kind of go back and forth, defenders and provokers, sweet and sour, aggressive and passive. They go all different ways. They're tender. Sometimes they're mean. It's kind of their personality. After I read this, I was glad it wasn't a part of my list. I was like, oh my goodness, although I do sometimes do that. Once they face their own anxieties, they then start to understand. And although the world is always changing, they can be serene and courageous in some of the circumstances. Can you think of the most loyal person in the Bible? You could think of a lot of them. But immediately I thought of Mary. If there was anyone loyal, it was Mary of Jesus. And I think she was insecure. But at the same time, as she sat at the feet of Jesus, she was going to be there through thick and thin. Nobody was going to move her. She wasn't going to wash a dish or make any food. She was going to be there right with Jesus from beginning to the end. That's loyalty. And I think about that. So imagine today, friends, we have looked at now the reformer and uh, helper the first week, the achiever and the individualist the second, and today the investigator and the loyalist. And as I've studied not only the spiritual gifts, but also the Enneagram characteristics and have seen the positive and the negative of them, and I know them firsthand too, as each of you do, as children of God, we have greater blessings than even revealed in any test, don't we? The first is we are children of God. We've been called as children of God. That's one of the greatest gifts we have received. God loves us with our gifts, whether they're great or with flaw, combined by a father who loves us unconditionally, no matter what we do, Today, yesterday, tomorrow, and forever. That is wonderful. So we're children of God. The second is, every day, he wipes our slate clean. Every day. I always think of with Jesus a big, big eraser. He just wipes away all the dumb things we said we did, and we'll do them tomorrow too, sadly, but true. And so we get to start again. No matter what type we are, we all get these gifts. And the third is we get to be a community. That together we work for the glory of God. That with all of our gifts, we can be the body of Christ. 
And with all those things, we can support and encourage each other. This has not been easy these last 18, 19 months. And my guess is we've got some tough ones ahead yet. Sadly for me, I was telling Pastor Doug, I just performed my 10th funeral yesterday, since June. And so I've lost seven members of my church in those months. And some were sudden, some were, and most of them were seniors, but I have to tell you, it has really ripped my heart. And I know they're with Jesus, and I keep saying that, including my mom, but I have to tell you, it's been a journey. And, and so I know we're in kind of that world right now where there's going to be a lot of change. But how wonderful that we are community to deal with it, to have each other, to support. You have Wayne Presbyterian, a wonderful, caring congregation. And it's great you can be here, mask and all. It's great we can be together. And I'm so thankful for that. And so remember, some of you have the gift of leadership, preaching, teaching, serving. A pastor cannot do it alone. And I say this from experience. You can't do it alone. Because if you do that and you have no vision, if we don't have a visionary, we die, right? And so we all have to work together. One of my members who just passed away, she, right to the end, handled all of our finances homebound for three years. She did all of our finances till we closed the church. She did all of our records, took them right to the end. And so I always know that no matter how old we are, how young we are, we all have gifts we can still use. And so use those gifts because together we are the body of Christ. And it doesn't matter what our worship style is, our numbers, our income, we're all one, we're his church. And so I encourage you to remember always you're a child of God, that you're forgiven every day, and that you're a community, the body of Christ. And it's my prayer that we, even though we take tests, and it's wonderful to do that, to get to know ourselves. Don't get stuck on a test. Don't matter if you get an A or an F, okay? What matters is what was revealed in the church, in that test, and how we grew and we became stronger and we saw our weaknesses so we can grow for the glory of the kingdom. What a joy we can work together as one for Jesus and my privilege to be here today. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for calling each of us as children of God. What an honor to be your child and through you be used for your purpose and your kingdom. Thank you also for your unconditional love and your mercy and your grace each and every day. How blessed we are to be able to start anew each and every day. And thank you for this community of believers, for together with all God's people, they make up the body of Christ using their talents and their gifts. If just one child or one youth or one adult comes to you because of these gifts, we give you thanks. Thank you for working through each of us, our flaws and all, so that others may see you through our words, our actions, and our deeds. Help us now to use the gifts we've received from you in the days and weeks ahead, not only alone or by ourselves, but for this, your church. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. 
Amen.